Well, I get the privilege of welcoming someone, someone that's the favourite person in the world, my wife. And um, I encourage you to position your heart for breakthrough. She carries something in this. She's going to be speaking in the space of the orphan spirit. She has fought hard to see the breakthrough in this place. And you get to listen for the next half an hour. And she's going to pray over you. And I know there's people that are going to get freedom today that she had to fight years for. So I encourage you, attune your heart to it. And you're going to see breakthrough. Welcome her. Hello. <laughs> Hands off if you haven't heard me speak before. Cool. My name's Marika. <laughs> I'm Greg's wife. Um, let me just introduce myself. I'm a mum. I have five children. Um, and my village is taking care of them for me this morning uh, for me to preach. And I am the mother of orphans. I'm a foster care mum and a lot of people actually don't know that about me when they become friends with me and they see my children and get to know my family. They actually don't know that I'm a foster carer because it doesn't look typical because my children are just my children and they, they, they don't know who are my biological children and, and who are my foster care children. This, this, we're just family. And it's so cool. I love freaking people out when I, when I ruck up with a new baby. <laughs> and, I've, and I've done that three times and it was so rad. I remember my children were at school and um, the, my daughter was in kindy and so the families in kindy didn't know me really well and um, I was there for a little while and then all of a sudden I, I uh, showed up with a baby and they're all like, I didn't know you were pregnant and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it was just so fun and then we did it again four months ago where we just rocked up and we had a, had a tiny baby in our arms and they're like, what, <laughs> where did this little guy come from and they're like, I didn't know you were a foster carer and I just love that, I actually love that, that, that people don't know that that's what we do because we just look like family. My kids behave like kids, like siblings. <clears throat> they fight. They argue over car seats. They say, she's looking out my window. You know, it's just, it's so rad. I love that. <laughs> um, thank you, Kylie. I have actually been sick, so please excuse my raspy voice. Um, and Greg was um, just telling you that I was going to talk about the orphan spirit. And um, I grew up an orphan. I had parents, but I was still an orphan. And I'm going to share with you how that is. And I'm sharing with you my story in the hopes that it will actually challenge you. Because a lot of my story actually has to do with the veil. When Jesus died on the cross and he came to save us, the, the veil was torn. Um, and the symbolic of that is before Jesus came, only the priests could go beyond the veil in the temple to go into the presence of the Lord. And I couldn't do that. But Jesus came to rescue me and to restore me to my father. And that veil was torn, giving me the opportunity to step through right up and into the presence of the Lord for myself. And I have been a Christian I came to know the Lord when I was young, probably between 10 and 12 years old. 
And as an, um, as an grown adult, I knew that that veil was torn, but something was keeping me from stepping into his presence. Something was holding me back from stepping through the veil and really connecting with Father God. And I didn't know what it was, and it wasn't until I was in my 30s that I was sitting at a church and, and a guest speaker had come through. His name is... Um, Leif Hetland. If you haven't heard of him, I encourage you to go and look him up. He's amazing. He came and he was talking about the orphan spirit and that this is the thing that keeps us from stepping through that veil and keeps us from being in connection with the Lord and stepping into sonship or into daughtership. And so I just want to share with you my story about when I, when I say to you I had parents but I was actually an orphan. Now, I just want to read um, this. Um, this, um, this is a quote from Leif Hetland's book and it says, it's talking about a home. A home is not only a physical structure but a place where there is assurance of unconditional love. In a real home, there is warmth Security, provision, guidance, joy, peace, and abundant life. The person with an orphan spirit does not have access to these things. They live their life as if there was nowhere to go and as if they had no home. And that's very much uh, my story and my upbringing. And before I uh, share, I just wanted to uh, honour my parents. I love them very much and they've come to know the Lord and I love my dad. He passed away probably about 13 or 14 years ago now. But in the last stages of his life, we had a great relationship and I know that he loves me. He came to know the Lord and he's living with Jesus. And I, I always just want to honour him before I tell my story because he was a great man, even though my childhood wasn't that great. And so when I was growing up, my dad, um, he, they, my parents didn't know the Lord. We were, um, I consider myself a first generation Christian. And we all one by one came to know Jesus, starting off with my sister, which was awesome. But my dad, he had three girls, and I honestly think he just didn't know what to do with us. Um, he didn't have a great childhood. He didn't have a great father. His mother died um, as well. And my dad was an, a real absent father. He physically worked away. He was a fly-in, fly-out worker, and back in the 80s, it didn't look like it does today. He spent months and months away on an oil rig, and there was absolutely no communication. There's, um, so I never remember talking with him. There's no phone calls or anything like that. And so I just remember growing up, and my dad was was very absent. My poor mum was just on her own. And then when my dad was home, it wasn't great. My dad had uh, bipolar, but he didn't know that he had bipolar. And so it was undiagnosed. And so there was no... <coughs> Excuse me. There was no... There was nothing to help him. There was no medication. There was no one walking him through how he was feeling or anything like that. So when I did try and connect with my dad, I didn't know who I was going to meet. And he was very angry all the time. We were going through a recession and finances were really difficult. And so he was angry. He didn't know how to connect with his daughters. And so I just, 
I just was experiencing, my trauma was I was experiencing all the lack of things. So when I read this quote to you about a home, it's not only the physical structure, but there's a place of assurance of unconditional love. My dad didn't know how to tell me he loved me or how to show me. There is warmth, there is security. I definitely didn't have any security because I didn't know what was going to happen. There is provision, there's guidance, there's joy, there's peace and there's abundant life. And even though I had a home and I had parents, I wasn't experiencing these things. And as I grew up and I became a teenager... um, I thought I knew everything, (laughs) as most teenagers do. I had come to know the Lord and I was the second one in my family to go to church and get to know Jesus and I was really involved. And my parents were going through a really messy divorce. They didn't have too much time for anything else. My sisters had grown up and left the house. I was on my own and I was pretty much on my own. My mum worked hard. I call myself a latchkey kid. When I got home from school, nobody was at home. It was just me and I'd have to take care of myself. I would often have to make my own food, my own dinner. But there was... In that as well, there was nobody there to connect with. There was nobody there to say, how was your day today? There was no one there for me to share my feelings about how my day went. I was just really on my own. And so when I became a teenager, I decided that I was actually going to step out from the covering of my parents and I'm going to take charge of my life. (laughs) I'm going to make all of my decisions. And it it was, I was trying to survive, right? I was in survival mode. When you're at high school, you start to think about what you're going to do after high school and you meet with guidance counsellors and they start to set you up in things that you're going to study for when you're going to leave school. All of those decisions I actually made on my own. My parents didn't come along to those meetings. I was on my own. I um, had a job and I had money and so financially I was pretty well off (laughs) and my sisters used to borrow money from me and so if there was anything I needed I went and purchased it. I got myself to school, I would play basketball around the state and my mum would never drive out of Rockingham so I got myself to my basketball games. I was super independent, I was in survival mode. If I didn't do that, who was going to do it for me, okay? Fast forward, okay, to adult life. And here I am with this spirit of nobody is going to take care of me but me. I have to make everything happen. There's nobody around that's going to listen to my feelings. No one's um, there to share or process with me. I am on my own. And I'm trying to make my way as an adult. Now that... Those stepping out from my parents, stepping into survival mode, taking care of myself was something that I needed to do to survive. That was a childish way of living. I'm no longer a child now and I don't need to live that way. And I'm a Christian. I've been brought into family. I married into the most amazing family in the world. I'm in the church and I'm surrounded. But I still don't know how to act like a daughter. I don't know how to listen to a father, not only in the natural, but in the spiritual. I don't know how to connect with Father God. So how am I supposed to step 
through the veil and connect with him because I don't know how to. Because I was taking all of my experiences with my earthly father and I'm putting them onto God now. He's distant. He's not going to take care of me. He's not going to listen to me. I'm not loved. I'm not worthy. And I've got this great big divide between me and God. Is this sitting with anybody? And carrying the orphan spirit. And the orphan spirit was really released in the Garden of Eden. That's what the enemy came to do. Um, Adam and Eve were living in the perfect home, walking with the Father in the cool of the, in, of the shades of the tree. And the moment that they took that apple was the moment that they decided that they were going to do this on their own. Okay? The moment they did that. And, and here I am. I'm, I'm, Jesus has already come and he's paid for me to be restored. And I'm a daughter and he calls me his, but I'm still living like an orphan. I'm still in that place of I can't connect. And I remember sitting and listening to Leif Hetland as he shared the story of, of being an orphan. And I'm like, oh, Father, that's me. That is me. And I couldn't sit with the Holy Spirit. I couldn't have the dove on my shoulder. And I needed freedom. And I want to share with you um, what just share with you what living like an orphan actually looked like, how it played out in my everyday life. So, excuse me. So I was making my own decisions. I didn't know how to receive love. I talked about how my dad didn't know how to show me um, that he loved me. And so I didn't know how to receive love. So all of a sudden, as an adult, I find myself in the most, as I said, the most amazing family. The Lake family are incredible. And they're trying so hard just to love me. And I don't know how to receive them. And we've talked about this in our community before. I didn't have a shelf to put their love on. And so every time they tried to bring me in closer and, and to father me and to love me, I just didn't know how to respond. And I was also incredibly jealous when they loved somebody else. I didn't know how to receive their love, but I was so jealous when they loved somebody else. I was like, oh, you know, what about me? And, and it was just, it sounds so crazy, right? And I just didn't know, I didn't know how to receive their love. When, um, I didn't know how to receive affection. And I would reject you before you had a chance to reject me. Sounds so crazy, right? I would hold myself back because I've got to protect myself. And so a lot of my relationships over the years and friendships just dwindled to nothing. And it was me just rejecting them before they had a chance to hurt me. That's what it looked like in my life of living like an orphan. And I got to this point in my... This is... I'm all the way into my 30s now. And I remember rocking up to this church. We'd moved to California for a year. And I call it the year of my great undoing, my great unravelling. I remember turning up and I really love Jesus, but I know something's wrong. 
I know there has to be more for in my relationship. And I knew Jesus. I had no idea who Holy Spirit was and I couldn't connect with the Father. And all three of them go together. And I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what it was until that man stood up there and shared his story and said, I was living like an orphan. And that is why I share my story with you today so that you can just reflect upon your story. Are you living like an orphan? Or is there something that is holding you back from stepping through the veil? Because I want you to be able to step through the veil. This is, so I had a problem. It got diagnosed. Okay, I'm an orphan. Ah, what do I do now? <laughs> and it's not something that you can just shake off, pray off. It's actually something that needs to be restored. And you have to be an active, willing participant in your story of getting restored to the Father. He's standing there on the other side of that veil, beckoning you to come forth, right? You're the one that actually has to make those steps. So these are the things that I personally did to be restored to my Father. I needed to kind of unpack all of the things that I'd built up about what a father is like, okay? I had to rebuild actually what a father is like because I didn't know who Father God was because I was projecting my own father onto him. And so I really needed to dive in to the Word of God but I needed to read it with a fresh eyes. I have been had been reading my Bible don't get me wrong, but when you have a lens of living like an orphan, it, it distorts things and it changes things. And so, for instance, one of the passages that you probably know very well is the story of the prodigal son. And it's found in Luke 15, and I encourage you to go and spend time in, in it there. Um, the story of the prodigal son is he's a son and he is living at home and he decides to take control of his life, right? He's like, Dad, I want my inheritance and I am going to get out of here. And so the dad gives him his inheritance and the young man goes off and lives his life on his own and it doesn't go well for him and he ends up living, uh, squandering all of his inheritance and he actually finds himself living in a pig pen eating the scraps that the pigs eat. And he has this moment where he's like, hang on a minute. Back at home where dad lives, we have servants and they, those servants are eating better than what I am right now. So I'm going to go home, okay, and I'm going to see if I can... I might not be accepted into the home, but I'm going to go see if I can live as a servant at my dad's house because they're getting fed better than what I am. So I'm just reading from Luke 15, 17 to 24, and it says, When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. So he's already planned in his head, he's going to go see dad and this is what I'm going to say, okay? Rocks up home and this is what happens. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He hasn't even said anything yet. The son hasn't even apologised. He hasn't even repented. 
He hasn't said anything. He just went home. And Father saw him and went running. This is who God is. God sees you standing at that veil, sees you standing there. He, and you haven't, he hasn't even said anything. That's what gets me. But while he was a still long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer the worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they began to celebrate. Oh, this is, this is who Father is. This is unconditional love. Before God, before I even said anything, before I even said to Father God, I'm so sorry and I repent for the way that I've held you at a distance because my dad... Before I even got to say that, the Lord's like, come in, put a robe on her, put my ring on her, bring the fattened calf. Not for me, I'm a vegan. But bring in the vegetables. <laughs> That's who the Father is. And when I began to really see who Father God was and not put my lens on, my orphan lens, I really began to see he is really a good God. He really is a good God. And so I began to hang around with people that knew that he was a good God and could speak life in. I repented for, for my sin. I asked for forgiveness for the way that I stepped out from under the covering of my parents and took control of my life. I repented. I learnt to hear his voice and how it is that he speaks to me. He had been talking to me this whole time, but I didn't know how to hear him. And so I actively went about, well, how do I hear the voice of the Lord? And people showed me and people taught me and I discovered that I had been hearing him the whole time, but I just didn't know. I had prayer ministry. Woo! Uh, you got to get it. <laughs> this place here is incredible. We have prayer ministers here that are so in tune with the Holy Spirit that they will get to the root of what's blocking you from going through that veil. You just have to make the appointment. And I know it's scary and I know it feels hard, but I stand on the other side of ministry and know that it, it is all worth it. The Father is calling you home. You're his son, you're his daughter, and he wants you to come in real close. And he wants whatever it is that's stopping you to go, to go. That's what he wants you to do. So I had prayer ministry. And not just once, not just twice, it's continual, right? And I looked for all the places in my past where the Lord revealed himself to me, where he showed up where he made a way and where he loved me. You've got to look for him always. When I was that little girl who was struggling in life and who was, I say to you, I was on my own, no one was there. That's not the truth, right? I just didn't know to look for him. And so I went back and redeemed my story. I went back and went, well, where were you when I came home from school? And he showed me. 
That's who he is. And so we go back and we look and we clean up our past. We, I extended forgiveness um, to my parents, as I said, and I, and I took responsibility for the decisions that I made. And I made them to survive, but I don't have to do that anymore. The Lord is calling you to sonship. He wants you to be restored. You could have known the Lord and known Jesus for a really long time, but I want you to just evaluate. Are you stepping through the veil into his presence? And if there's something that's holding you back, I want you to open yourself up to the Lord, to the Holy Spirit, and say, okay, God, what is it that's keeping me? Because I want to step through. And can you imagine this community with a whole lot of people who are now no longer orphans, who are living of children of God? We talk about we live in a family all the time. How am I supposed to live in the family if I don't know how to receive your love? How am I supposed to live in this family if I don't know how to receive guidance? I need spiritual mothers and fathers in my life. But if I'm carrying all of this baggage from my past, how can I live fully alive? I can't. It'll be a half-life. And we want to live a full life. So my, my challenge to you is don't just listen to me today and go, oh, that was really good, Mary Cuppings. I want you to go away and do something, and that's between you and the Lord. I want you to sit in his presence and ask him what it is. I want you to read your Bible, and if you don't know how, find somebody who does. Find somebody who speaks life and hang out with them. It's called the meeting place. <laughs> it's called DNA groups. You've got to get alongside each other and help each other. You've got to know your Bible. It's so key. Get yourself some prayer ministry and start living like you're an heir to the, to the kingdom of God. Start living like you are a son or that you are a daughter because that is who you are. That is the truth. And there's, there's things that are holding us back and we want to break them free. Here comes the piano man. <laughs> I saw Greg like, Greg, Andy, get down there. <laughs> okay, I've come to the end of my message today. I really hope that I have challenged you. I am I'm just going to get you to stand in a minute and I'm going to pray over you corporately. And then when the message ends, there will be tours and morning tea and things going on for Lilia Haven. But if this is something that really spoke to you or something, or you want to get prayer for absolutely anything, we will have a team of people down here that would love to pray for you. And I would love to pray for you too. So if you would um, want to come forward um, when we have finished, I would really love that. So if you could stand to your feet, I'm just going to pray over you. Lord, I'm so thankful that you called me home, that you saw me living as an orphan, and that you sent someone halfway around the world to set me free. And I thank you, Lord, that you gave me the keys to freedom and that you sent me back home to set these people free. Thank you, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come right now. So many people have been talking about the dove this morning. 
Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come. And we invite you to come and speak to each heart here because every heart has a different story. And I just stand before you and I, and I say to you, I see you. I see your story. And I know how painful it is. And I want to tell you that you're not alone. That I see you. Jesus sees you. Holy Spirit wants to comfort you, but you have to let him. And Father God is calling you home. I don't like to focus on what the enemy is doing, only what the Lord is doing. And I see him reopening that veil. I see him with his hand beckoning you to come. Right now, you don't have to clean yourself up. Just like the prodigal son came home and he didn't say anything. He hadn't even repented and the Lord and his father started celebrating. And I feel him God saying to you, come in your mess, bring it with you, bring your baggage with you and put it at my feet and I will carry it for you. And here are the keys to your freedom. Here are the keys to your freedom. I forgive you. You are forgiven. And I'm sorry that that thing happened to you in your past. I'm sorry that thing happened to you. And I forgive you of the childish choices that you made. And I give you my peace. And so I encourage you to take his peace right now and put it on like a cloak. We just lay all of those hurts down at his feet. And I hear him saying, I'm listening. I'm here. You can tell me. There's nothing too big. There's nothing too ugly. That he can't handle it. I thank you that you're a big, big God. Thank you that you're strong. And there's an invitation to you to know the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I just feel that there's so many people that only know one third of the trio. And there's an invitation for you to know all three. To know Jesus, to know God as a good, good Father, to know Holy Spirit as the guide and the comforter. And so we just come to you, yielded hearts, and say, we want to know all of you, Lord. We want to know all of you. We want to know you as a good, good Father who provides for His children. We want to know you as sons and daughters who get to climb up into your lap. We want to know you as the Father. And Jesus, we want to know you as the friend. Jesus, we want to grow to be more like you. You are our guide. We grow close to you, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we want to hear your voice. We want to hear your guiding. We want to step out and see miracles and signs and wonders and speak in tongues. And Holy Spirit, we want to get to know you in that place. And so we just stand and we just say, yes, we want to know you, all of you, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And we repent for any way that we've held back. 
We repent for any way that we've put earthly things onto you and we don't know you as truth. We repent for that way of thinking. And we just thank you. We thank you that we're forgiven and free. And we climb up into your lap and we say, we love you. We love you. Lord, I just pray a blessing over everyone in this room and everyone who listens to this word online, that Holy Spirit, that you would speak to them through this message, that they will know that you're a good father and that that you are calling them home. Thank you, Lord, that you call us sons and daughters and that you are restoring us to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.